Welcome to another special edition of Crown Conversations. I am joined by Ryan from Hockey Wilderness, SB Nation's sister site covering all things Minnesota Mild. Oh, excuse me, Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for the joining wild. me. <laughs> well, you know what? You're not completely wrong by calling them the Mild because you know what? Their, their play has been rather uh, mild, I guess. And when I say mild, I mean not good. They've been actually quite bad. So uh, it's exciting to come and, you know, talk with you about this very exciting uh, hockey team that clearly is taking the league by storm right now. Two wins in nine games. I thought the Kings were bad. Uh, Minnesota, what's going on? (sighs) Lots of things are going on with this team. I think one of the main things with the Wild right now is that they're just having a hard time getting the puck in the net. Now, last night, they're coming – now, I, I don't know when this goes. I, today's Wednesday, so last night was Tuesday. They beat the um, uh, Edmonton Oilers, who obviously got off to that really hot start. They completely shut down the Connor McDavid line, um, and they kind of burst it out in the first period and scored three goals in the first 20 minutes. So um, last night they had a little mini explosion of offense, but – Really, they've just been kind of kind of having a hard time getting the puck in the net. And part of the reason why is because they're resorting to taking so many low-danger shots from the point. Um, that's kind of a staple of the Minnesota Wild right now. They're relying on their defensemen to generate most of the offense and just kind of pray to God that one of the forwards redirects or um, is standing in the right place at the right time and rams home the rebound. So... Um, that really, that's what it comes down to. They're having a hard time offensively. Um, Devin Dubnik hasn't been fantastic to start the season and now he's hurt. So now they're relying on Alex Stalock to kind of right the ship. And, um, though he has been solid, you never want to rely too, too heavily on your backup. And, um, their defense is one of the bright spots I'd say, but even them, like the whole team, it's, it's something else. I'll just say that. You know, at first when I thought that when I saw that Bruce Boudreau got hired for the Wild, I was really jealous. I was like, "Man, he's a really good coach. Like, look what he did with the Ducks and maybe all this time it was really just the Ducks who were uh, you know, hiding his flaws." Well, l- all right, let me say this about Boudreau. I I actually do like Boudreau as the coach of the Wild and I know right now it's like why would you say that? They suck. Like they're actually a terrible hockey team right now. But I think so. 
I don't think anybody could prepare for what Paul Fenton was going to do last season and this summer. Like he, he annihilated the team completely. And so now um, Boudreaux just kind of sitting here like, Oh my God, I have to work with, with this. This is what you're giving me. And new general manager, Bill Guerin, uh, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you're an older hockey fan, you I'm sure you've seen plenty of him. Um, he, he basically came out last week and said like, no, he's like, I mean, he has a longer leash than people think he has. And I kind of agree. I don't think he should be completely to blame for everything. Um, a lot of people are saying like, oh, you know, fire him now. Um, I don't, Which I, I do understand because when you're playing so poorly, at some point you have to do something. And, you know, whether that's firing the coach, no matter who you are, if you're losing games, sayonara, something's going to happen here. Um, but luckily, the Wild are on a two-game winning streak, two games in a row. And so uh, hopefully they can keep that going and maybe they'll kind of rally around Boudreaux and save his job if if it really even is truly in jeopardy. So, um, But yeah, no, it's it's good to see the Wild playing well in adversity because they had that really, really rough stretch there. And um, then I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, – Jason Zucker basically came out and didn't call out Boudreaux, but he did include him in his by name in his sentence saying, yeah, we all need to be better, including the coach. And that kind of caused this whole stir within the locker room and within the media. Um, but I'm pretty sure everyone knew what Zucker was trying to say by saying that. So um, no, like Boudreaux still has full control, control excuse me, over his team and all that. Really, it just comes down to on-ice execution. And luckily, like I said, the past two games, they have been executing on the ice. I would mock the two-game winning streak, except LA finally put together their own back-to-back winning streak. So <laughs> um, I I don't really have a leg to stand on here. <laughs> no, like sometimes with this team, with this wild team, it's, it's not easy – Wins aren't going to be easy to come by, especially with the division that they're in. Like they're in the central. You got, I know Dallas isn't, their record isn't great right now, but I feel like they're better than their record indicates. Obviously you have the Preds, you have the Avalanche, which is one of the juggernauts in hockey right now, even without Ranton. And um, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but when you have a team with Nathan McKinnon on it, chances are it's going to be good. So um, they're, they kind of have, I don't expect them to make the playoffs this year. Um, but I do think that they could – I think the Wild are better than what they have shown early on. And uh, I think it's taking the players a little time to kind of build some chemistry with one another, especially with the amount of trades that they had. Now you got Zuccarello coming here. Fiala's coming here for his first full season. Victor Rask, who Wild fans absolutely detest because really he should be um, – uh, oh my goodness, how am I forgetting his name? Nino Niederreiter. Um, they did not like that trade at all in Minnesota. I don't think anybody in hockey liked that trade except for Hurricanes fans. So um, yeah, it's just there's a whole lot of adjustments taking place in Minnesota right now. And it seems that now things are finally starting to come into fruition. They're starting to get used to one another. But I mean, whether this is a long-term thing and they can keep the success going, we'll see. Looking at Minnesota's roster, they're kind of old. Um, <laughs> they're 
<laughs> They're very old. You're right. Well, old for hockey. Let me let me say that because you know, being yeah. <clears throat> not twenty anymore myself, I'm not gonna reveal my age. But <laughs> you know, being being that thirty uh, five. Not me. I mean, Preezy's 35. But, you know, 35 as a normal human being, you're going, okay, that's not old. But 35 is pretty old in hockey. <laughs> it's pretty old in sports in general. So, yeah, Minnesota's either really old or, like, really young. I mean, you have Luke Coonan and Jordan Greenway, 21 and 22 years old. And then, well, the defense list just kind of a little bit on the older side with Ryan Suter and and then the rest of the the the, the roster, I just kind of look at and go, "Who are you?" Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a whole it's a whole thing. Sorry about the 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 bing there. Um, it's a whole thing with this roster. Basically, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, you have like you said, you have Parise. He's thirty five, and he still has one, two, three, four, five, six years left on his contract. He's under contract until he's forty one. Why is the only question I can ask. Um, you have Matt Zuccarello. He's 32. Um, and then you're right. They do have some younger players like uh, Victor Rask. He's he's 26, so not too old. You do have uh, Luke Cunning, Jordan Greenway, um, Ryan Hartman. He's still not that old. He, he To me, he's a serviceable uh, fourth liner, though he does tend to take some boneheaded penalties, if you will. But, uh, you know, they, they do have a couple younger players. Matt Dumba, there's another one. So um, – but yeah, no, you're you're totally right. Their age is a concern, and that's why general manager Bill Guerin has such a huge uh, piece of meat on his plate right now that he has to kind of dig into. Um, there's a lot of work there, and it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of cleans this whole mess up that Paul Fenton created. Um, it's not going to be a one-year thing. This is going to be a multi-year experiment, and a lot of wild fans have been kind of clamoring, like forget this season, let's tank, let's do it. Like they've never really truly tanked before. And I feel like pretty much everyone can come to the general consensus that the wild probably aren't making the playoffs this year. And if they do, they're not getting past the first or second round. And even when they were good back, you know, the last seven years, um, they made the playoffs for six straight years until last season. Um, they couldn't get past the second round then anyway. So what's the difference? So a lot of wild fans are thinking like, screw it, let's tank, let's get younger, let's fix the salary cap, let's let's get all that situated. Um, and yeah, it's a legitimate concern for the wild right now. They have a fair amount of uh, work to do. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. So is a lose for Lafreniere, Lafreniere, I don't know how to say his name. Lafreniere. Thank you. I think I, it is. I always try to like right. make his name more exotic than it is, and it's pretty exotic. But lose <laughs> <laughs> for Lafreniere. Is that kind of the consensus, consensus within the fan base right now? So whenever they whenever the Wild win a game, they're like, all right, here we go, baby. And then they lose the game, and it's like, lose for Lafreniere. Quit for Quinton. And because um, luckily, if the Wild do end up taking this year, and even if they don't end up winning the draft lottery, they could get the fourth overall, fifth overall pick and still get a fantastic prospect just because of how insanely deep the first round of this 2020 draft is going to be. So um, I, I think a lot of Wild fans are kind of 
they're can totally they've accepted the whole idea of tanking and then you have the other fans who are just like oh well maybe maybe we can start winning some games here because that's what really matters but you know a couple days ago just it was minnesota's second home game of the season they failed to sell out xl energy center for the first time since 2013 and it's the game of the season like fans are pissed they don't want to see this team play and they're not showing up because there's nothing exciting about this team whatsoever. And that includes, you know, n- not just social media and how boring they are on social media. It's the team. It's a boring team and they're not fun to watch. But the last couple of games, they have been more watchable. They're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's just say that right out the gate. But they are becoming a little more watchable. We'll see if they can keep that going. So usually when L.A. and Minnesota, they get together, their games are so boring. I, <laughs> well, at least in the past, you know, when, when it was Sutter versus, I can't even remember his name at the off the top of my head, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Mike, the coach for, the, for Minnesota? Yes. Yeah, Mike Yo. Yes, yeah, yes, the old yes. Uh, Mike Yo. Um, Anyway, <laughs> they were always just like, defensive games and i'm like oh god these 102021 games are just like they're so boring and i i'm really hoping that so todd mcclellan has basically kind of taken the leash off his guys right now in nine games this season the kings have outshot their opponents in every single game yet they've only won three games part of that is due to their golden wait is it three games or four games i don't know how many games la has won apparently i can't keep (laughs) i'm not a good fan i can't keep track of their schedule because they've played so many freaking games (laughs) (laughs) anyway but just like i'm really hoping that we do not see this grinded out boring like all right who's gonna make the first mistake chess match game because that's unwatchable well, I'll tell you what, seeing that the Wild, or, or excuse me, the Kings are so good at driving play, like you said, they seem to be uh, leading in shots in every single one of their games thus far. Um, if that continues against the Wild, which it probably will, because the Wild are not a good play driving team, maybe there could be an os- offensive explosion for the Kings. I don't know how the Kings are at creating high danger scoring chances, but if they do create quality scoring chances somewhat regularly, um, then it's very possible that they could just be dealing with some bad luck. And, you know, once you're, when you're dealing with bad puck luck, it, it's frustrating. And that's what causes kind of these little losing streaks that you see now with some of the, maybe, maybe the Kings, I can't remember if they're uh, on a losing streak right now or, or not, or if they've, or if they're even winning right now. But um, I know that that's something that can just kind of at the flip of a, of a switch, just turn on you. So if they, as long as they drive play against the wild, they could potentially have themselves a good old fashioned offensive explosion, you know, and maybe that could just be all it takes. And, it, you know, when you have a new coach like McClellan, sometimes it takes a few games for the team to kind of fully understand the new system, really kind of uh, develop good chemistry with all the teams and or, uh, all their line mates and stuff. And just, really fully understand what the coach is looking for. And once that happens, 
that can really be kind of a, give the team a boost going into the rest of the um, rest of the season. So maybe that's what happens against the Wild. I mean, the Wild, even though they do have a, a solid group of blue liners they just have a real hard time driving play. Again, the last couple games they've been solid, but when you got a team like the Kings that are, they do have a couple younger, faster players um, that could come back to bite Minnesota, which for the most part is pretty slow. So, All right. I'm going to ask you to give me a hot take. What's your prediction for this game on Saturday? Oh man. Um, Wild fans, if you're listening, probably turn off um, <laughs> let's just i'm gonna go i'm gonna go four to two los angeles hmm okay i think that's actually doable that doesn't sound yeah. outrageous to me yeah i, I think i think they're spe- i know i know for a fact that like you know la isn't exactly uh, a team full of young bucks either <laughs> but they do have a couple younger players who are speedy and they can make a lot of offensive chances happen especially when they're facing off against a team as old as the wild and as slow as the wild can be um and plus you're going to be facing alex Stalock, who you know say what you will he he does have some well he might be you guys might be facing it, it depends on if Dubnik's ready to return because he's hurt he suffered an injury against the Oilers last night so um but you know there are a lot of factors that go into it but I do think LA especially after a few weeks of dealing with McClellan as the head coach maybe it's getting to the point now where they fully understand what's going on and uh they just start clicking sometimes that's all it takes is just a little bit of experience to kind of get the ball rolling and um, maybe that's what happens against the wild, but, um, I just, I've seen enough from the wild to know that they are a wildly inconsistent team. And after winning two straight games, it's like, okay, ready to be let down now. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get the disappointment coming, you know, let's not hold this over our heads any longer. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with LA four to two. I think they get the offense going against, uh, against Minnesota and, um, I, I think the wild kind of revert back to their difficulty scoring goals because they've had a lot of puck luck recently. And uh, that doesn't tend to stay that way for too long. So we'll see what happens. Well, here's hoping that this game is anything but mild. Yes. (laughs) agree. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Robin. It's been a, been a pleasure. All right. You have a great one. You as well. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to another special edition of Crown Conversations. Today is joining me is Brandon from Second City Hockey. That is the Blackhawks SVN blog. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. All right, so let's get into it. The Blackhawks and the Kings, they've had a really intense rivalry, or at least they did, for between like 2013 and 2015. And as both teams really got into cap trouble, they both kind of 
started sucking and uh, started to need a rebuild. So the rivalry, I don't know. Do you think the rivalry is still there? Oh, it's it's long gone. It's uh, I, I feel like the only game between the Kings and the Hawks that have mattered would be two years ago when Patrick Kane was on his like 20-some game point streak and he scored with like less than five minutes left in the third period to like barely keep his point streak going. And other than that, I can't remember the last Kings-Hawks games where I was like, oh yeah, like this is appointment viewing kind of situation. But it was really hot and heavy for those three years and it was it was enjoyable but stressful, I would say. <laughs> yeah, because you always knew that it would come down to those two teams either playing against each other in the West Final or one of them would be in it. Yes, and then both of them got into pan cap trouble. Uh, although I thought for a while that it seemed like the Blackhawks would be able to kind of pull themselves out of it and infuse their team with some talent. But the last year or two, including this year, it kind of seems like they are really in that rebuild mode. Yeah, the talents there, it's just not really clicking. Um, I guess is how I would describe it. And sometimes it's, you know, the star players that aren't working out. And then all of a sudden they do. And then the depth players go away. So there's not like a full team effort uh, throughout the lineup. And yeah, the defense isn't great. So... (laughs) That's that's a big deal. Um, and obviously the concussion uh, injuries that Corey Crawford has had hasn't been great when the backup situation was not uh, very solidified as it was in the past. But now that's definitely not a problem when you have a 1A, 1B type situation with Crawford and Robin Leonard. Yeah, how's Leonard working out for the, the Blackhawks? It was a little bit surprising that they kind of took a flyer on him, but it seems that he's really performed well. So kind of, you know, working way back here, uh, Colin Delia, who's from Rancho Cucamonga. I'm definitely not saying that right. Um, Cucamonga. Yeah. Uh, So he was in line to be the backup for Crawford um, after his, you know, strong AHL season and a good showing in the NHL from what he got. Uh, this past season, and then the Islanders decided to be dumb and let Robin Leonard walk, and Stan Bowman decided to scoop him up and sign him. One-year deal, kind of, uh, your, you know, Robin Leonard's 28, uh, prove, prove yourself deal, and if you do well, maybe we'll sign you to an extension and have either Crawford be traded or let him walk next summer. Um, and so far, Leonard's been the better goaltender. Um, if you you look at all the numbers, it, it points to that. Um, <clears throat> the start of the season was a little weird with the trip to Prague and then having a week off and then playing again. Uh, and then also the Blackhawks didn't have Connor Murphy or Calvin DeHaan at the start. Uh, two of their better, probably their two best defensemen, actually. Uh, so that kind of plays a role into it as well because those were starts that Crawford had. Um, so I think Robin Leonard's done 
probably better than most of it expected. Um, I thought he would step in right away. Right now, they're alternating between starts, so there's no... And both of them have had consecutive starts, but um, through the weekend, it'll be 5-5 five and five through 10 games. So they've said they'll play the hot hand, but that hasn't been the case so far. Delia. I mean, he's uh, he's still waiver exempt, so it's probably not a bad idea to keep him down in the minors right now and and give kind of the, the team a, a little extra punch in the arm, as it were, uh, on the back end with the with with uh, with Leonard. Yeah, and Delia is only twenty four, I believe, twenty five. So he's young. Uh, he's waiting in the wings, and with Crawford going to be turning 35 um, on New Year's Eve, you know you have a guy who's in the twilight of his career, and then you have a guy in Leonard who's in the, the prime of his career, and Delia who's on his way up, as well as Kevin Lankinen, who's also in the minors, help lead Finland to World Championship in May. So goaltending is obviously the most you know, stacked depth-wise that the Blackhawks have. It's just the level of skill, I guess, on the, the back end and in front of them that is the the worrisome part that they have drafted into that situation and they've drafted guys and stockpiled them, but those guys just aren't ready yet. And how they come into the fold with guys on big contracts like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook is something that will be interesting to monitor this season and next. Yes, as Kings fans, we are definitely aware of the big ticket contracts and the old guys. Well, let's just put it that way. Um, so let's talk coaching. There was a coaching change last year. Joel Quenville out and in comes Jeremy Colleton. Am I saying that right? Yeah, so it was not quite what I think people were expecting with the coaching change because for all for all intents and purposes, it seemed like uh, reputation-wise, Colleton was going to be great. Like he had um, done really well prior to stepping in as the Blackhawks head coach. And then it just kind of never really seemed to manifest or meet perhaps outside expectations. Yeah, I think one of the big things with the coaching change was the change in the defensive systems has been talked a lot about in Chicago with uh, Quinville deployed a more zone approach and Carlton has this unique system where it's man and a half. So it's like primarily man-to-man, which you can already kind of start thinking that if you have slow defensemen, this is not the best situation for them to be playing in. Um, But then when you have like the little aspect of the zone part, it kind of helps them out. So that's the mindset of if you deploy this system now and you get it ingrained into the player's And then once the players come up through the system, if they're doing the same thing and they're more mobile defensemen, then your blue line is going to be really good in theory. Um, And that's a part that I think the the veteran guys struggled with was 
the schemes in that. And also this change was made in season. They were in the grunt of their schedule where it was having frequent games, you know, two, three a week, not a lot of practice time. So you're trying to get these guys that have had the same coach for, you know, their entire career almost um, to kind of chuck their old habits that they've seen have brought them the most success that any guy could have in that span. And then it's, no, you have to do it this way. Um, So it's a bit challenging because a lot of hockey is instinct. And when you've been doing something for 10 years and then that's your initial reaction to do it. But then if you do that, that's going to burn your, your line mates and create odd man rushes the other way and giveaways. So um, at the end of the season, they kind of had a little run when they were facing not great teams uh, and the power play started clicking. And this season, the power play has not done that. Um, They're excluding their game Saturday against Carolina. I think they've gone three or four games without a power play goal. And they've had at least four opportunities in each of those games. So that's not great. <laughs> All right. Since we're on special teams, how is their PK? Because um, special teams was, or is, I guess, one of the biggest factors for LA this year. And it has always made a difference, at least in the last several years, rivalry notwithstanding, um, between the Blackhawks and the Kings in the difference of a game. So it's usually like, all right, if somebody can, um, if, if whoever scores a power play goal or whoever's PK is more successful, um, they usually end up winning the game. So how are the special teams for Chicago this year? Well, last season they were historically bad. Like they were 32nd in the league. Like even Seattle had a better percentage than Chicago did at killing penalties. It was not great. Um, And this year, well, I mean, it's early, but they're at like 75%, uh, which puts them at like 25th, 24th in the league, right around that ballpark area. So still not great, Um, but an improvement. Um, The game that they had Tuesday against Vegas was probably their best penalty killing performance uh, because you're playing Vegas. Um, and also Brandon Saad and Dominic Kubelik really had a strong performance on the PK. Uh, there was, I want to say a 45 second kind of window there where Brandon Saad drove the puck into the other zone, had a scoring chance, couldn't really get a shot off and then just kind of played keep away from Vegas. Um, and then once he lost the puck in the neutral zone, got it right back, shot it back into the other zone. So, um, that was probably the loudest that I've heard the United center this season, aside from a goal, um, which is really something to see, like fans kind of really appreciate that effort and say, Oh, things might be going bad, but that was good. Um, and Brandon Saad's been their best forward by far this season. So. That's been really encouraging to see someone with such a great first name take that step. I don't think you're biased at all, Brandon. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so bring it up. Um, LA is 
70.3% on the PK in 24, looks like 24, yeah, I can do math, I promise, <laughs> um, 24 times shorthanded, and in 23 times shorthanded, the Blackhawks are at a sterling 76%. So LA is third worst, and then Chicago is eighth worst. So it'll be really interesting, I think, in this game especially because LA kind of has a tendency to be very undisciplined. So can the Blackhawks put their power play together or will LA be able to put their penalty kill together? Who knows? Yeah, I don't, I think this is shaping up to be a game that'll either be like surprisingly not bad or one that is like definitely I bad. wouldn't be surprised at either one. Because there's times when L.A. looks like they're going to dominate and they're so good. And then there's times where they're just like falling flat on their face. And it's just like, and they happen to usually come back back. Uh. Hmm. And Chicago's playing the at least the first game of this like weird close two game set that they have. Um, Chicago plays Saturday in Carolina, and then they come back home. So this will be the second half of back-to-back in the first game against L.A. Um, so maybe some tired legs there. Well, the funny thing is, L.A. is also on the second half of a back-to-back. They're coming from Minnesota, so they're not coming from quite the same distance. But you're also technically on the road, whereas, you know, at least with the Blackhawks players, they can go home and go sleep in their own bed. Whatever. Yeah, that's true. And also, I mean, the King, yeah, and the Kings are playing the Wild, and the the Blackhawks are playing the Hurricanes. So, yeah, the schedule is well, a little quality competition's a little different. That is true. I mean, we get the mild, and then you get the rocky like a hurricane. So, should be a fun game either way. And then Chicago, we're not usually Chicago comes in around Thanksgiving, but this year because that's I believe the is it carnival trip, right? For Chicago? No, they did away with the... So actually, it's funny. I always say, um, if you look at the timeline between when the Blackhawks started their downward trend and also when the Bulls became even more irrelevant than they already are, um, it kind of links up with when the circus trip is what they called it um, in... November, December came to town. Um, when that went away, then the whole like schedule shifted for the Blackhawks. So they didn't have like 10 road games out West where they would just like go together. And <clears throat> the players in Quinville had always termed like the circus trip as like a great bonding experience for the team and stuff because it came like into the season, but still kind of early on. So players could kind of gel and just have that time off the ice to build some chemistry together and just have a few laps and whatnot. Um, But now they don't have that anymore. So there's no like break time and their schedule is more like everyone else. Um, But once the circus trip went away, both teams just went all the way down um, and did not great things. So maybe the circus should come back because Right now, everyone thinks that the circus is still at the United Center. It's just in the front offices. (laughs) 
I like that. It's a really interesting way of putting it. It's still there. It's just now moved into the front office. Yeah. I mean, more so for for the basketball team, but um, there's a, a very strong vocal um, segment of Blackhawks fans that would agree that it is also with the, with the Blackhawks. So it's just how you look at it, I guess. Yeah, not that I follow basketball, but from what I've seen on my Twitter timeline, uh, both the Clippers and the Lakers are a hot mess. So I feel you on the circus thing in the basketball front office. All right. Um, We all know who the big stars are, who everybody is to keep an eye out for. But who's somebody that's kind of playing really well that maybe doesn't get a lot of love? Brandon Saad's been their best forward. Um, That's a name that people know of. Um, But I think when you think of the Blackhawks, you think of Taves, Kane, and Dabrinkit. Um, But it's it's Brandon Saad right now. And if, if people really want like a unheralded player, it's Ryan Carpenter. Um, he's their fourth line center. He stepped into the role, which Marcus Kruger had last season. He's top 10 in faceoffs. He did not do well the other night at the dot. Um, <clears throat> but standing from that, he's been a great player to plug in, logged the most shorthanded minutes on the team. Um, <clears throat> and the fourth line and this is going to sound weird, but they're rolling with Drake Kajula, who was playing with Connor McDavid last season before he was traded to Chicago for Brandon Manning. Um, and Alex Nylander, who they acquired in the summer uh, from Buffalo in exchange for Henry Yokiharu. So <clears throat> two guys that can play in the top six, but they're playing on the fourth line with Ryan Carpenter and he's done a great job centering them and obviously not, you know, for Nylander, someone that you would expect to have success on the the fourth line, but he scored two goals in his last four games now. Uh, So he's contributing. And if you can spread depth like that in a lineup, that's certainly not going to help or not going to hurt you. Kirby Doc, he was a really hot name at the draft, and it looks like he has been called up to the Blackhawks. So do you think we will see him at all on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if they set him Saturday um, just because they – to not have him play on a back-to-back. Um, and if you're going to – choose which game to play him against a a lesser opponent would probably be the better play on that. Um, So far he's played in three, three or four games. Um, He looks like he's one of their top 12, 13 forwards. Um, Still kind of too early to tell if he'll end up staying with the Blackhawks all season or if they'll, reassign him to the WHL um, after his nine-game tryout. But uh, he's looked more and more confident each game. Uh, He's been playing a second-line center role with Dylan Strome moved to uh, the left wing on there and then with Patrick Kane. So he's playing with playmakers. Um, He's been able to kind of shield his um, 
I guess, lack of skill at the faceoff dot is what you could call it, and have Strom take most of those draws. Um, and he's also a right-handed centerman, so that benefits him long-term. Uh, when you look at most of the NHL being left-handed centermen, so um, definitely kind of a, a surprise for Blackhawks fans and media because everyone was kind of under the assumption it was between Bowen Byram and Alex Turcott that they would take at number three, but they went with Kirby Doc, and I think people have been uh, pleasantly surprised by how well Kirby Doc has played so far. Um, I would just like to say to the uh, Blackhawks management, thank you for not taking Alex Turcott. He might be a small boy, but he's our small boy now. Yeah, I was my my pick was uh, Turcott there, so um, I think he's he's a great player. Um, haven't seen a lot from him at Wisconsin just due to you know some illness things that's being passed around on that team. Um, just because it's you know it's been that getting to that time of year when illnesses pop up and stuff. But um, yeah, I think he'll be a fine player for the Kings moving forward. And the rest of that draft class, like holy shit. That was a good haul, I think, for the Kings. Yeah, it's definitely going to be it's going to be fun to see that class and and see how they they graduate and and if they they do make the NHL because next year's draft, uh, 2020's draft class is supposed to rival that, I believe, of what was it, the 2003 class, the one where it's like Corey Perry, Dustin Brown. Mike Richards. I don't know if it was Mike Richards, but I mean, it was just like you go down the list. Most of them are still playing in the NHL. I believe Parisi was part of that that draft class, but yeah. So like the the 2003 draft class was just insane. Yeah, I feel like if you get a top seven pick, you'll be picking a player that'll definitely be uh, contributing for a long time. Um, a lot lot of center talent uh, which isn't a bad thing but it just <clears throat> it strikes me where you have like you know different waves and the different draft classes where all these guys are centers and some move to wing and vice versa so um, <clears throat> I think if the king season goes as everyone expects and they end up in a lottery position and or lottery position and end up with the top pick, I think it's uh, it'll be a good thing for the Kings moving forward because if you can build around uh, Turcotte and say a uh, you know Quentin Byfield or um, what's the top pick's name Alexis uh, Lafaniere, <clears throat> I mean, how could you not be happy with that? Yeah, from what I've heard from a lot of people. No matter who or where you you draft this year, it should be uh, it should be really you should get your team should end up with a good pick. All right, well, it's going to be a battle of the lottery teams most likely on Sunday. So, give me your best prediction. Anything goes. Ooh, okay. Um, I think the Blackhawks win on Sunday uh, with Robin Leonard and Net and. We'll go 3-1. And just to rub a little salt in the wound, Dominic Kubelik scores two goals. 
Oh, that would be salt in the wound. Thanks a lot. Um, and then they play again Tuesday, right? I thought they play again Saturday after that. Yeah, Saturday. So it's a Saturday, and then well, it, it's it's Sunday, then Saturday. So they basically play about seven days apart. Yeah. Um. So let's flip that. Let's do. A 3-1 win in Chicago. I don't know who scores or anything. Uh, Robin Leonard's in that. And then the following Saturday, the Blackhawks lose, but Kubelik scores in the game. I could I could see that happening, actually. I can see Sunday being like a really close game. It might be like 3-1 with an empty net or 4-2 with an empty net. Um, and Robin Leonard just being himself, which is to say that he's actually a really good goalie and he can like stone a lot of teams. Um, I don't know who's going to play on, on on the following Saturday. It's, at this point, it's too far away. It's, it's still a week away. So, uh, but I could see, I could see them flipping like trading wins and losses in each building. Yeah. I don't, I don't foresee the Blackhawks going two and zero on this or, or vice versa. Um, are Kings fans disappointed that they did not draft Spencer Knight? Because he would have been the Knight King? Uh, gosh, a little bit, yes. But no, people were more disappointed that um, Kirby Doc went ahead of Tricot. But then Tricot was at number five. And so they were like, okay, well, he's a good consolation prize. But I was really disappointed personally that um, because they were drafting again so low in the the draft um, that they couldn't get Cole Caulfield. Sorry, Cole Caulfield. He's just been lighting it up in Wisconsin. And part of me is a little bit jealous of the Habs. Yeah, but I mean, like, the Habs don't deserve nice things, so it'll go south. <laughs> See, I want to say that, but I feel like I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) It's fine. I'll be honest. Um. (laughs) Have fans don't listen to this podcast anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I'll say good luck to the Blackhawks, but not too much luck. Just enough luck that you you draft outside of the top 10. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) And... uh, you know, hopefully the Kings just, you know, because I'm biased, hopefully they go 2-0. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Brandon. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, Robin. All right. Bye.